welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're going to be talking about a subject that affects about 20% of the U.S. population. Um, I also wanted to uh, let you know that my husband, Les Briney, is joining us for today's show. He is an infrequent guest, but I love it every time he joins along. Before we start, though, I wanted to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by, brought to you by Medicare Quick's step-by-step guide to signing up for Medicare. If you are within about eight months of your 65th birthday, you are probably already getting what I call the big stack, the big four-inch stack of Medicare mail. But don't worry, I've put everything that you need to know in this simple step-by-step guide. It's 12 steps. You can get it absolutely free by going to medicarequick.com slash checklist. Best yet, it's absolutely free. And I am the founder of Medicare Quick, and I love to talk to people about their Medicare. So thanks, Les, so much for coming back on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) And you have kind of a personal reason for selecting this article. The article is, let's see, the June 2019 Consumer Reports article on pain relief. So tell me, why have you selected this article to discuss over the next several episodes? Well, one in five adults have pain, which is the case in the United States. In our audience, it's probably more than that, because as you get older, there's more of a likelihood that you're going to have pain. And so I thought for the retirement years, this was a good subject to talk about. Do you have a personal reason for wanting to talk about this subject as well? Well, I'd like to talk about some pains in the neck that I have, but, but I think <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pass on that. Yes, I have had, as a result of my cancer, I have had pain that is semi-chronic. And by the way, there are two types of pain, right? There's acute and there's chronic. Acute is, is very sharp, usually, kinds of pains, and they don't last that long. Chronic pain lasts for more than six months, as uh, according to the definition by Cleveland Clinic. Now, we've talked about your cancer before, but just for any new listeners, do you want to just touch on that a little bit, or do you want to refer people to a previous episode? Well, no, I can just say that I have... Uh, stage four advanced metastatic prostate cancer, which means the prostate cancer has spread uh, to several places in my body. You seem to be doing okay, but you said you're, you're feeling some pain now that would be considered chronic, correct? No, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm quite at the point of chronic pain. I, I have acute pain uh, from time to time. When I went through the chemo, I had a lot of pain. Mainly it was nerve-type pain as opposed to uh, joint-type pain. And I still, every once in a while, have nerve pain. It's under the title of neuropathy. uh, And it's sharp shooting pains in different parts of my body, usually in my feet. Mm. So I have had to deal with this in several ways. and, uh, And that's why this article is, I think, very useful to me and will be useful as we talk about it to uh, our listeners. 
so let's let's start with the first part of the article where you had talked about you know we we had mentioned that one in five adults which according to the article is about 50 million americans report yeah. hurting every day yeah and and it's even worse than that in some some ways because 20 million of that 50 million actually can't do their normal day-to-day -day activities because they have so much pain. And I know people like that. You know, so I have I. dear friends that are debilitated by their pain and it just breaks my heart. There's really nothing that I can do or that you can do, but you feel like you, you feel like you, you should be able to do something to help. Right. But that's right. But for us on the outside, there's really not a lot that we can do. Looking I mean, at, it's, looking it's at, easy to talk about it. Uh, and you can say, well, those people aren't doing what they need to do. You can say that too, but that's probably not the case. Uh, uh, yeah, probably not. And that's not going to help. Right? No, it doesn't, doesn't help. Because pain is going to be different from person to person. I mean, it ha has different... Uh, reaction, your body has different reaction to, to effects that you're trying to, to put on the body to reduce the pain. And, uh, and the pain feels different to each person. And so uh, it's a personal thing. Pain is a personal thing. Right, and especially pain that they can't see on an x-ray. That's right. Or an that's MRI. Right. You know, I thought it was interesting that and for people who are viewing this on YouTube, I'm I'm holding a copy of the article. I thought it was interesting that a report that was prepared by Congress said that for every physician certified in pain care, there are more than 28,500 Americans living with chronic pain. So, boy, those aren't very good odds getting the right doctor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, there's another issue that we'll talk about this probably in another one of these episodes, and that is that doctors treat patients differently depending on what their their sex is and what their, their gender, ethnic, their ethnic, bath, ethnic background, I mean, all kinds of things. So the kind of treatment that you're going to get is is so spotty, it's it's crazy. Well, number one, there's biases, and we can talk about that now. That was actually in the back of the article. I'll go ahead and, and read a quote from it. Half of the hundreds of white medical students and residents surveyed for a 2016 study subscribe to at least one myth about supposed racial differences related to pain, such as believing that the nerve endings of black people were less sensitive than those of white people. These are doctors, dude. I mean, these are, these are people who have taken math and science all their lives. And really, half of them thought that black people's nerves were different than white people's? Yeah, that, that's incredible. But the other side of it, too, is that it's a normal reaction that a doctor is going to to be more empathetic to those that are like him and or her. And so as a result, women, for instance, don't get necessarily the same reaction to pain from the doctor that well, a man does when the doctor's a man, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. And, you know, being a woman, I can tell you that, you know, a lot of it's like, oh, 
you're making too much of it or, oh, it's PMS or, oh, you know, yep. it, they, they do kind of put you off. Now, I, I'm hoping that that's changing, but I, I, I don't know if it is or not. I mean, I was surprised by a lot of things in this article. I thought that here we are at this recording, we're in 2019, you would think that some of these myths would have dissipated by now. Well, so the other thing in the article that it talked about is the fact that 70% that, uh, of the doctors are males. So you already have some bias there. And uh, it, is, it is incredible that there are few people, few doctors that are treated in, in uh, relief of pain and then add the complication that we're just talking about. And it says you're going to be really lucky if you get the right kind of advice on, on your pain to, to get rid of your pain. It, it's, it's just incredible. And, you know, you and I have seen the difference in doctors moving from San Diego to South Carolina. Oh, yeah. San Diego is, I, I would say, kind of a hub <laughs> of medical research of medical clinics, medical groups. I mean, well, a lot of the drug companies have have uh, especially in the advanced drugs have complexes there. So all of that is the is the case because there are quite a few schools that are feeding the the medical profession in San Diego. And San Diego is not the leading area in the country for medicine and medical help, but it's uh, pretty far up there. Well, but you have no lack of being able to find the type of specialist that you want to find and being able yes. to get an appointment. I mean, yes. when I was being treated for my dystonia, I would have to wait, I think I would have to wait about three to four weeks if I needed an appointment to see my neurologist. But if I wanted to see a primary care physician, I mean, I could go the next day. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's not true where we live now. Yeah, where we live now, there's an acute shortage of doctors and medical facilities, even though there are quite a few small facilities. It's uh, finding them, number one, and number two, getting an appointment can be really difficult. Well, on the Facebook group, so, so our community has a Facebook group, and person after person after person talks about how it takes three months three, four months to get an appointment with a primary care physician. That's right. And even me, I have a, I'm part of a membership plan. And if I get sick, she, she'll take me right away. But to get my physical, I had to wait four months. And as of this recording, I'm getting it next week. And she has a limit on the number of patients she'll take. And the limit is pretty small when you, I mean, it's going to sound big, but because I'm in the medical field, I know that this is really tiny. Her limit is 750. Can you imagine some of these doctors that have 4,000 patients, how long it takes to get an appointment with them? And then there's so few doctors that are special, you know, that specialize in pain. And then for the ones that do, with Medicare putting limits on op opioids, you know, I just, feel bad for people that are in chronic pain. Although the article, and we'll get into that, I don't know if we'll get into that today, but we'll certainly get into that in the future where these opioids 
don't even work that well, that there's much better yeah. ways of treating pain that this country is just barely starting to scratch the surface on how to treat chronic pain. And, and to be clear, we're mostly talking about chronic pain here, not acute, correct, Les? Yes, that's right. Acute pain, we, we'll talk a little bit about acute pain as well, but acute pain is treated normally through uh, drugs and, and it's a temporary thing. A cr the chronic pain drugs alone in general cannot make chronic pain go away. Right. And how many of us, if we have chronic pain, like we don't, we don't think about that in this country with all the commercials on, you know, medications, we're taught that you take a pill and it goes away. Yeah. And that works for the, a lot of the, the, the acute pain and other pains that people have, but for chronic pain, uh, opioids, for instance, wear off or they or they become less effective over time yeah and, and so, we'll get into that in a future episode yeah. for sure yeah. yeah the situation is pretty bad in the sense that to get relief from chronic pain you have to it's a personal thing as as i said it requires personal attention from the pain doctor and getting the appointment for the pain doctor is tough anyway and expect to have a doctor that's going to care enough to give you that personal attention, you know, that's, it's a challenge. I mean, just the fact that there's 28,500 people to one pain doctor is right. incredible. But what did you think when you read the part about the fact that they kind of blow off older people? Eh, it's oh, yeah. Getting older. Eh, you know, it's to be expected. Yeah, well, this is exactly why why I thought this was a good subject for uh, Rocky Retirement, just for that reason, that people are put off if they're older, generally, when they have pain. It's expected that you're going to have pain when you're older, just, you know, part of being a human. Hmm. The fact of the matter is that, yes, you probably do have more normal pains because you probably aren't taking care of your body like you probably should. I can say that myself. And over time, things wear out. But there are ways that, that you can treat this pain. That's the point. And that's the point of this article and why we think it's going to be very useful to anybody who has chronic pain to talk about some of these things. Well, just to sort of tease some of the future episodes, let me tell you what some of the, the things were that they discussed. And some of these things, less than I already know, I've tried some of them for other issues that I've had, but I've had back pain, neck pain, pretty much since I was 15. I've just learned to live with it. I don't, less will attest, I don't really take a lot of pain pills. Less, whenever I have pain, what do you say to me? Have you taken a pill? And what do I usually say? No. <laughs> oh, I just. You say, you know, oh, and I say, oh, okay. And, <laughs> you know, but I the fact to... of the matter is that the pill alone is not, is not going to make the, the chronic pain go away. You right. Know, that's, that's the point. That's true. And so my point is a lot of these pills cause additional problems and 
I don't want to get the additional problems. And so that's why sometimes I just live with my pain or I'll try stretching, or if it gets bad enough, I'll usually try to go to a chiropractor. I try to act, you know, so let's just tell you what some of the things were in this article. So we're gonna be talking in future episodes about how to combine these things. You know, it's not just one thing that helps, and that's kind of what I didn't really realize, that the article promotes a combination of medication, the sleep, massage, mindfulness, posture, all kinds of things. If it helps a little, then they recommend that you continue to do that and you add in the other things. If it doesn't help at all, then they recommend that you discontinue what it is. But some of the things would be massage, mindfulness, sleep, posture therapies, fish oil, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants, uh, steroids, surgeries, and it's not recommending all these things, it's just saying that this is how you can treat pain. And also psychotherapy, which I found very interesting. Sorry about the paper rustling. What did you think about that, Les, adding all of these things together and what kinds of things have you currently tried? Well, I got to say, it, it makes very good sense to say that each person's pain can be treated by, or should be treated by a combination of things that you do. And the other thing that the article makes, makes clear is that it's not something for chronic pain in particular. It's not something you can do once and, and that'll be the end something that you're going to have to do for probably the rest of your life to get rid of the, the uh, pain. And so a combination of all the things that they talk about make, make very good sense. And the fact that it's personal says your combination is going to be different from my combination. And so anyway, in my case, I think the, probably the key thing is a combination of sleep and exercise because uh, I think I don't do enough of that. But when I do, generally, I feel better. By the way, one thing that happens, of course, with sleep is that if you have pain, you can't sleep. Right. So then so, how do you get to sleep if you're in Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, I've used ibuprofen. By the way, I saw another article where we talked about, uh, where it talked about ibuprofen and uh, how athletes call that vitamin I <laughs> that they take, you know. Of course, for, that's not good for your stomach, right? No, uh, there are quite a few things that we can talk about that when we get to that point. We can talk about some of the side effects of it, but occasional use is what I have found to be okay to keep the pain down at such a level that I can sleep. But it really is important to sleep because that's the healing process. And usually the pain, in my case, is either nerve pain or inflammation. If it's a case of inflammation, it, it uh, allows the inflammation to go down over the uh, period of the night and also can calm the, the nerves that are tingling to cause me the pain. So mm -hmm. my take is that first you have to think about other things than the pain. You have to move around, and we learned that from seeing 
Dick Van Dyke, who uh, has written a book about that, Moving. And we'll talk uh, about that in the next ep episode. Yeah. And then uh, occasional use and only occasional use of, of painkillers. Hmm. That's what I've discovered to, to help me. Well, thanks for bringing this important subject to the listeners. I think that this is will probably wind up being a popular episode or series, I should say. So next week, I think we should talk about, do you want to talk about the, I think we'll talk about section two. You know, yeah. the, the massage, the mindfulness, the sleep, posture therapies, and things like that. that. Does that sound good? We'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, great. Well, thanks for just bringing this up, touching on this subject. And for the listener, we are going to talk about more of this in depth, but we don't want to overwhelm you with all of the information. And so next week, we'll be talking about section two of the article, We'll be talking about those therapies and how they can help. Les, thank you so much for joining me for this series on pain. I'm glad to be here. Yes. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. 
If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.